I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Fake a smile, November until opening day. Suffering baseball withdrawal around the clock. When April comes, hey, meet me down on Yawkey Way. That's when Red Sox Day shuts the rocks. I'm a member of Red Sox. Evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, literally everywhere. And just above the periscope window is the actual itunes link you could simply click that click subscribe and if you're feeling really ambitious you can rate us five stars leave a comment nothing you do will help us more greatly than that so we would certainly appreciate it red Sox wrapped up a four game set against the detroit tigers splitting it two games apiece I am Terry Cushman and am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling tonight. And it is just the two of us, so hopefully we can hold down the fort. Jeremy, how you doing? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> up and then I'm down. I'm up and then I'm down. I can't really make a determination. It's. I would imagine it's like not, you know, needing to. Never mind. That was going to be a horrible take. Never mind. So here, here's. I, I, I was talking to my buddy about this the other day. A good friend of mine who's a friend of the podcast. Shout out to Cappy. Um, and he, you know, we were trying to discuss like what, like what the hell's going on, and and you know, he can. He, we're good enough friends where he's like, he, he would pick up the phone and be like, the Red Sox lost, right? And I'm like, yeah. So here's how I liken this this baseball team so far. You got a lifelong friend, like he's been he's been a friend of yours for like that he's almost a family member, right? Or it is a family member, whatever. But and every time you hang out with them, you wonder why you do. You know, it's like you, you think it's a good idea. You're looking forward to hanging out with that friend, and then you do, and it's like, why the hell did I just waste three hours of my time hanging out with that guy? That's what the Red Sox are for me. I I, I, I I look forward to it. I get excited about it. They've been a big part of my life since I can remember. And then the game happens, and I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? So, anyways, feeling a little bit better after the last two games. Yeah, I'm a little more optimistic, and I'll, I'll get into that in the general segment. But uh, let's just dive into the recap right now. Uh, game one, which was the first of a day-night doubleheader, Chris Sale versus the Tigers ace, Michael Boyd. Sale was okay. He didn't he didn't get shelled, you know, once the second time in the order came up. Gave up a couple runs early. Struck out 10 over five innings. The, the longevity still is not there, though. 
Bogarts hit a couple of solos. Second one came in the sixth inning, which tied the game. But then Colton Brewer gave up three runs in the eighth. Took the game out of reach. Tigers win that one 7-4. Game two, Hector Velasquez in the nightcap of the doubleheader gets a, a spot start against Spencer uh, Turnbull. Velasquez went three and a third, struck out five, but left the game with the bases loaded. Marcus Waldman, who has been very solid as of late, came into the game, but Brandon Dixon was able to pull one right down the third baseline, right out of the reach of Devers, cleared the bases, ended up being a triple for him. Uh, Bogarts uh, drove in a run early. Chavis got his first home run. Red Sox stranded a ton of base runners. Probably one of the more frustrating losses of the year. And uh, could only get two of them home. Red Sox lose uh, 4-2. to Game 3, Eduardo Rodriguez versus Tyson Ross. Probably Rodriguez's best start of the year. Six full innings, only gave up two hits, struck out seven. Devers and Vasquez each uh, drove runs in early. And then there was a hit parade in the eighth inning. Seven runs scored. Red Sox blew out the Tigers 11-4. And then finally tonight, Rick Porcello versus Jordan Zimmerman. Porcello was tagged for three runs just right after another in the second inning, and uh, but then recovered. Michael Chavis hit a two-run bomb. Porcello ended up going six full, struck out five on six hits. Uh, Devers and Mookie each had multiple RBIs. So did uh, Benintendi, a couple of hits anyway. Sox win that one 7-3 to, to salvage a two games to two split on the series so from here we will go into what is now called heroes and zeros formerly shout outs and call outs so uh let's just uh get right into it jeremy uh who is your hero for this series well it feels like for the first time all year we have some options um (laughs) And I didn't want to pick the same people because, like, for example, J.D. has been J.D.'s. Xander's been great all year. Uh, I, I, I was critical of Mookie uh, as far back as two podcasts ago. So uh, I think it's only fair that um, I point out uh, that he's been good. Uh, in his last seven, uh, he's hitting uh, over 400, uh, you know, nine for 22, Scored five runs, couple of doubles in this series. He had 14 at-bats, five hits, three doubles. I think he had two RBIs, uh, added a couple of walks. Uh, and then tonight, you know, and I think it was his, his at-bat in the seventh, he got called back to the plate on a on a bad pitch that was a, uh, a ball four. So he comes back into the batter's box, full count, and absolutely tasers the ball to left that was ultimately caught. And after the hits and the way he's been swinging the bat, I'm like, okay, this is one of those points where even his his outs are loud. That's really encouraging. Uh, He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, He seems to be playing and swinging the bat with just a little bit more confidence than he was a week ago. So I'm really encouraged with Mookie and for that reason. And for, I mean, we need him to be a hero. So, uh, but after this series and especially the way it ended, uh, you know, split with the Tigers, uh, Mookie's my hero. Yeah, and I mean, his fingerprints was all over this series. You know, just 
helping the Red Sox win in, in so many different ways and keeping us competitive. And he's in the two-hole, and, and Benintendi's been leading off. And I really like I really like that tandem at the very top of the lineup. And, uh, you know, J.D.'s hitting 340 on the season. And, you know, so whether he's in the three or four hole, I just I can just see a lot of production getting – you know, getting done in that part of the order. And I, I like Mookie a lot more out of the leadoff spot where I think he can do a lot more damage. And I, I think we're finally, as you said, starting to see that. Um, my hero, almost flubbed it, uh, my hero for this series will be uh, Raphael Devers, and just as of late, he had two RBIs tonight. He hit one, I think, off the uh, you know the left field wall and uh, drove in two in the middle innings. And I'm just really liking what I'm seeing out of him. You know, the past couple of years, he's been susceptible to the high fastball. He's laying off of it a lot more now and his plate discipline has just improved immensely and just just in the last week alone he's hitting 318 with a 423 OBP an OPS of 878 which is pretty impressive considering he hasn't hit a, a single home run yet but he's driving the ball really well and uh you know hitting for power so He's my he's my shout out. Ah, I loved it. He's my hero this week, and um, I just I'd like to see the defense, you know, a little more consistent. But love what he's doing at the plate, and he's he's definitely, you know, a middle of the order hitter so far. Uh, okay, so I. I just would identify that his upturn in production came with Chavis being called up, which I think is good for any roster. Um, tell me how that soda tastes, Terry, once you get into it a little bit. It's a beer. Uh, oh, it's a beer. Good yeah. for you. What kind of beer? Uh, it's uh, Down East Hard Cider, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so his upturn has come here with Chavis up on the big league club, and I think that's healthy. Because, by the way, they're both playing, but Devers has to feel Chavis. He's a natural third baseman. Uh, his swing is geared towards Fenway Park uh, with the way he, you know, he's he's a power-hitting, you know, infielder. Uh, you know, I, he's going to be a good player for the Red Sox, I think. I think we're going to get into Chavis after the Heroes and Zero segment, so I'll leave that for that. But just a little note there that he Devers is clearly being pushed, I think, by the younger player. Now, with that said, um, I do think his uh, part of his uptake, uh, uptick in production is uh, consistent with better plate discipline. I also would note that just generally he's kind of getting away with mistakes as far as swinging at pitches he shouldn't be, and then he's getting pitches later in, in at bats and then and then making pitchers pay. So tonight, for example, the three oh count that ultimately led to the double that scored uh the runs to to give the lead the uh the Sox a lead back at four to three. Three oh pitch up and away. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be swinging at that. A JD who's our most professional hitter would not have swung at a at a 
you know, up and away fastball like that 3-0. So um, I'm a little bit curious why a guy who has a history of poor plate discipline, despite being better recently, had the green light there. And then 3-1, he chased, I th- it was a really bad two-seamer because it was down and in, which I think it was meant to be down and away. But he chased a two-seamer down and in and, and yanked the ball foul. Again, I'm just like, what are you looking for there, 3-1? You, you have to zone up. You have to be looking middle-middle. Or if your strength is a particular uh, quarter of the plate, then that's fine. But he, he just doesn't – he didn't zone up there. Then, he, then his talent kind of showed through because with the count full, he lines the ball op- opposite field in the power alley, although it's Fenway Park, so he gets the wall. Um Big hit, big moment, really good sign, and I do think he's been better. I'm just highlighting where, in that at bat, he made two mistakes and then ultimately overcame it with the big hit. The one though that that really was like, okay, wait a minute, Rafi, you're about to come alive. Is the the ball he lasered to center? Um, the broadcast did a really good job of showing us that swing a few more times after the hit. That that swing on that ball, if you if you watch the game tonight, you know what I'm talking about. That was uh, technically sound, explosive, hands on top of the baseball. You know, just a really really good swing, which gives me a whole ton of hope that he's about to get really hot. I so, um, Terry, you got anything else on Devers? I just wanted to add his um, OBP on the whole season is is 370, which. Uh, is second on the team right now. Oh, third, excuse me. But any, you know, regardless, he's trending the right way. So I'm happy to see that because, I mean, what were our expectations before the season started after the way last year went, which, in my opinion, was a colossal disappointment, the way he came out of the gates and kind of shined during the, you know, the brief 2017 playoff. He was one of our better hitters in that series against the Astros. So... Coming off of a yeah, I don't 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 let me my breakdown of that big hit. Um, what was it? The third inning, fourth inning. Don't let don't let that at bat. My highlighting that at bat uh, distort that. I, I agree with you. I'm looking. I mean, he's he's got 87 at bats. He's walked 12 times. That's a huge uptick in in, in on base production from a guy who really struggled with it. Yeah, he struck out 16 times. He's actually in the last week or so cut down on the strikeout rate. So I'm impressed. I, I just, um, I guess I've been kind of like positive and negative on him as, as I now like look back at what I've said. And I don't take it back. I agree with it. But I do agree with you, Terry. On the larger picture, I do agree with you. Like 12 walks at this point, um, you know, at, at 600 plate appearances, he's he's on pace for 80, 90 walks. That's a huge uptick in production for him. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's only got 68 walks in his career. He's Six. already got twelve this year. I mean, that's wow. you know. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's a it's a it, you know. I mean, it's he's been good, and you're right. The on base percentage is really good. The slugging is down, uh, but again, he hasn't started hitting home runs yet. And the other thing with Devers, when he hits one. Start putting him on your FanDuel team because he's going to hit like five or six in a bunch. You know it, it, that that's the way he goes. So uh, you know, but definitely, definitely, a hundred percent. Um, like Mookie, trending in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so but- my zero and and uh, Terrence gasped when I told him <laughs> that it was going to be Chris Sale off air. 
and the Twitter people are going to start blasting me here in a second. But hear me out, okay? Because I am somewhat encouraged. You shouldn't be somewhat encouraged by your ace, okay? You just shouldn't. Like, there's a certain... Could you imagine in, like, 2000, 1998, 1999, if, like, we were like, okay, Pedro, we're encouraged by your 5-inning performance? You're getting, you're the ace. You're getting paid to be the guy. And I can't help but think that that game may have gone differently if he was able to get through seven or eight innings. As it were, he had a Eduardo Rodrigo-esque performance, and it's just not good enough from your ace. It's not good enough from your ace on a team that has aspirations to go back to the World Series. And and he he's also trending in the right direction. So... Um, despite the fact that the segment's called zeros, he's not a, he's like a 2.8 on the scale of zero to 10. He's a 2.8 when you apply the fact that he's supposed to be erased. It's just not good enough. And the reason why I'm so concerned is because we can't put our finger on it specifically what the problem is. So one start it's velo, but then the next start he's, his velo is fine. Then, I mean, his location's been bad all year. Um, one day it's his slider's effective, then it's not. You know, he's just not in the strike zone enough consistently with, you know, hitting corners. And as a result of his inability to get swings and misses, he is allowing a high, right of, a high rate of foul balls in, in counts where you should be pitching, and you should be getting outs, whether it be soft contact, and, uh, you know, the, the, the field is making the play, or you're getting a strikeout, but that's not what's happening. Instead, it's foul balls. It's adding 16 to 18 pitches worth of foul balls in a start, which then takes at least a full inning off your start, and now you're a five-inning guy. And look, we already have a ton of five-inning guys. Like, take Price out of it, because Price is clearly the ace, and he is good, and he is healthy, and he is pitching with purpose, even though he holds all the cards now. <laughs> but you already have Erod. Avaldi, when healthy, is a you know a five, six inning per start guy. Velasquez is really at this point three to five innings max. I mean, really probably three to four innings. Um, Porcello, quality start tonight. Give him credit. Pitched well enough for the win, but he's not pitching deep in games either. So when your ace isn't either. It's going to create a tremendous amount of stress on a bullpen that already is, you know, our weak point coming into the season. Um, if if we can't get more than Price going deep in games, there's just too many innings being thrown by a mediocre bullpen. And so tonight, my zero is sale for not being good enough as the ace, not being good enough under the contract, and not being good enough to get deep in games to help us preserve a bullpen that needs every, every help it could possibly get. Yeah. And you make a good point. It's something different every game. And you know, where you think you might have optimism in one aspect of his pitching, you know, that ends up not being the case the next game and whatnot. And I think this weekend against Tampa will be a, a more truer test 
it was nice against the Tigers to see him go through the order. Uh, I I honestly didn't see the game because it was a day game, but he, he it sounds like he went through the order at least a couple full times, maybe even three full times, and you know they weren't they weren't really figuring him out, and he got the ten strikeouts, so. That's fine, but it is the Detroit Tigers, one of the worst offensive teams in the league. So I guess Sunday we'll see what Tampa does with him. And, you know, the more times he pitches, the more data there is for other teams to look at. So um, it's just hard to render a verdict on this guy. And, And he's clearly, like you said, not the same guy, you know, as he has been previously. So, um We'll we'll just have to see what the weekend brings. Um, My zero, not flubbing it in the second half here. My zero is going to be Alex Cora. I didn't like the way he brought in uh, Lakins, the rookie, out of the bullpen in in the uh, second game of that doubleheader because he brought him in with runners on the corners, I think there was at least one out. There might have been two. But to me, that's that's setting a rookie up to fail. I mean, here he is making his major league debut. The last thing you want to do is put him in a high-pressure situation. And I get that it's the, you know, it's the second game of a doubleheader, so you have to stretch things a little bit. But on the other side of that coin, you lost the first game of the doubleheader. So, you know, it's it's best to try to at least get a split on the day, which would have ended up being three games to one in the end. But he brings in Lakins. Lakins actually does get out of it and pitch pretty well. And I think he pitched into the, let's see, he did pitch into the ninth inning and uh, gave up a run so that made it four to two at the time for the Red Sox in the bottom of the ninth they had to come back two runs so you know it I just I didn't really see the logic behind that and then earlier in the game as well um the other rookie there Darwinson Hernandez who's a starter also up from uh double a Portland uh, I Felt like he might have rode him a little bit too far because that's how Lakins came into the game with two runners on. So I just, it just felt like he wasn't really managing to win, so to speak, because we we had two guys who were literally in Double A the day before, you know, sealing our fate for the second game, and and that was also the game where we stranded, I think, fourteen runners on base as well. So. Um, I don't know. That that just you know added to my frustration for Tuesday. Look, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I've said this, and I'm not going to say it for a long period of time in this podcast. But I thought a big part of the way we started was Corey was still talking about last season. Um, he talked about private conversations with his coaching staff after we got off to a poor start. He talked about it the at, before the before opening day at Fenway, and then we got the rings, and then he was still talking about it after the game, and he hasn't since. But that was game what twelve on this. It, it's too late to still be talking about last season, and uh, I, I do place some blame on where we are right now on Cora. 
Um, for a multi multitude of reasons, uh, in-game management has not been good, and I understand that sometimes in-game management, you know, it, it's it's the best laid plan until the guy strikes out on three pitches, and you're you know to a certain extent he's playing the same numbers or or matchups he was playing last year. They just don't seem you know they're not seemingly working out this year, uh, where you know for example Nunez in that pinch hit role in that Yankees series hits a big home run. He looks like a goddamn genius. That, so, that same decision now, you know, whoever the pinch hitter is, just taps out into a double play or whatever is like the worst case scenario. It's just not happening. Um, so I, I, I do think that Cora has a ton of goodwill in this city. He comes in, wins the World Series. No one's ready to, you know, fire him tomorrow. But he does deserve his fair share of blame, both for the way he's talked into this season about last season and the way he's managing the team this year. And I, I think it's an appropriate call out of a C on a, on a, on a series where again, two up, two down, you know, we get swept, then we sweep. Then, you know, it's just, it's, uh, since we got back from the West coast, we just can't get any footing. It's, it's two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. And I think that's a microcosm of the leadership. And, uh, you know, obviously that starts with core. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can't disagree with the momentum, especially on paper. You know, I mean, we were we were four games down to start the series. We were nine and thirteen. Now we're eleven and fifteen. So we didn't really gain any ground. But I do kind of see this team kind of building up some steam, though. Go back to the four game set with Baltimore, where we split that series as well. I didn't feel good coming out of that at all. And that was a point where Mitch Moreland and J.D. Martinez were essentially carrying the team. And now you're starting to see other guys break out, you know, and, and Martinez is still hitting good. Bogarts has been hitting well all along as well. I, we keep forgetting about him. But you're seeing Benintendi hitting with pretty good consistency. Mookie Betts is coming around. Devers as well. Um, Sandy Leon got a hit tonight. I'm not, I'm just saying. Um, Chavis is, you know, holding his own. He's hitting 222 right now, and like two of his four hits have been home runs. But I just kind of see this team starting to turn a corner, though. And, and Rodriguez, very impressive, as I said in the recap. You know, starting to put together a nice string of games, you know, which <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything, but, you know, maybe maybe this is the year. And Porcello coming around. There's just a lot of things starting to head in the right direction here that we weren't really talking about a couple weeks ago. So I, I'm just, I'm a little less pessimistic. You know, when you, when you have, when you have, you know, two pitchers who you know didn't contribute a lot so far really starting to turn a corner i'm a little more optimistic and with sale it's it's a little less gloom and doom and i don't know what the time frame for hernandez is but he's pitching to a 180 era and three or four starts down at double a portland and looked all right up here so Maybe he's going to be a contributor in the second half of the season when he might have a more permanent uh, role in the rotation. 
So I'm excited. I'm I'm starting to be excited. And Travis Lakins was impressive, by the way, as well. And that's a guy you can he could easily be a seventh inning guy, maybe even an eighth inning guy if if Barnes gives him a reason to be slotted into that inning. So that, that's my rare optimism. I just I don't know what's gotten into me tonight. I am I am drinking, so I, I don't know. Well, um, there are reasons to be optimistic, and I'm, I mean, this is not the doom and gloom podcast it was after the Yankee series. And honestly, if you take the West Coast trip out of it, you know they're they're right about five hundred or maybe a game over. So. Um, you know, they're trending in the right direction. I'm still waiting for that moment where they stick their foot in the ground and truly uh, turn the corner. I We all thought it was going to be after the sweep of the Rays, the double Rays. It wasn't. Um, I'm a little bit optimistic that the final, you know, finally that first blowout. You know, it, good teams once a week just, you know, score early, score a lot, get a good start from their starting rotation, put it in cruise control, and... You know, everyone kind of, it's one of those games where, you know, uh, O'Brien saying something like everyone's reached base or everyone in the lineup's got a hit. And we hadn't had that point yet. So yesterday's win, obviously the, the down, you know, the, the dark cloud at the end of the, at the end of the day was Thornburg's appearance, which absolutely sucked. <laughs> but, um, but that was the first time where they just kind of, you know, blew it open and put it in cruise control Guys saw their batting averages rise, their slugging, OPP, or their OBP rise, and that does, I think, have a positive effect on the, you know, the, the morale and, and and the happiness just generally of the offensive playing players. So, you know, I texted you at the end of that game, like I, I'm, I'm, I think this, maybe this is the point, but but I also did that after the Devil Rays series, so who knows? But the fact that they did come out today and took care of business, um, Chavis with the home run. Porcello gave gave it back, but then really settled in for a quality start. Meanwhile, the bats opened it up, and it really wasn't close by the time uh, we got to um, Brazier in the ninth, who pitched in a non-save situation. So, look, um, we got to be good, and we're going to get into it in a segment. But you know, it, it it gets harder. I mean, the Devil Rays come back; they were embarrassed at home, and and honestly, I expect their best. Uh, this series, this upcoming series. So, uh, and then also we were uh, able to avoid the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner in uh, Snell, and it's looking like he may be back. So, um, you know, I, I hope the turning point. I, I think that we have a. There's a chance the turning point was the blowout win. So, absolutely. So the story of the week. Michael Chavis kind of got called up to abruptly that you know and that was what last Friday I think he got the call up and just 24 48 hours before they were saying no 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 he's too green he's too green needs more time at second base before we can talk about a call up but Eduardo Nunez goes on the DL Pedroia was already on it so so is Holt so there was no choice Chavis you know kind of had to come up and under those circumstances, I was fine with it. I, I wouldn't have rushed him. I, I liked the rhetoric before the call-up. You know, you, you can never have too many minor league at-bats, you know, really. So, um, But he does come up, and 
what game was it? He hit his first home run. That was was that game two of the series and the evening game of the doubleheader. Yeah, game two. Exactly. And right over the monster, left the park completely, which is funny because usually they like to take their first home run ball. You know, it's kind of one of those customary things. You know, same thing with the first hit and whatnot. So I don't know if they ever recovered the ball, but but it was an absolute moonshot. And I was really impressed with his bat speed. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, um, he's a smaller-bodied guy. He's kind of built like a tree stump. Um, and he is a max effort swing guy, uh, a lot like the way Pedroia was when he was uh, any semblance of productive. So he does have – when he when – he, and from what I've seen in the minor leagues and spring training and everything else – um, he's got decent plate discipline for a young player with that type of swing. But for whatever reason, he has found success with that max swing effort. And when he when he barrels a ball, he, I mean, you know, like a, you know, today, he he lined basically, a, you know, he lined a ball off the light stanchion. Uh, a really impressive high velocity uh, exit speed. Uh, the home run that left everything. Um, you know, it's an absolute no doubter. And, and, and as a result, uh, he's the sort of guy where not only is he going to be productive at Fenway, but he's the sort of guy who may avoid some of the pitfalls of the home road splits that can accompany young hitters that play at Fenway, because it's not like he's, you know, wall scraping doubles and home runs. I mean, he's getting backspin and blasting balls that are going to be out of all, you know, every major league ballpark. So I've been impressed with him. Um, his demeanor's been okay. Uh, for those of us that, you know, delve into the cesspool of Twitter on a daily basis, he's been responding to some, some haters on Twitter, which that part of it, I don't like, but other than that, I mean, he's saying the right things. And frankly speaking there, I, I personally think there's a spot on the club for him, but Terry, do do you think that he has the ability to, to stay with the big league club, the let's say, you know, for the the rest of the year pending injury? If I had to guess, I would think he'll probably need to get sent down to, to polish up a little bit more. Uh, I don't think he's – he could be the second baseman for this year. I don't know if he's the long-term guy. I'm going to get into another prospect who's absolutely destroying it uh, here shortly. But – I mean, right now, he's a great option, and the one thing that's encouraging is how, how many of our righties can, you know, destroy that monster? JD goes all over the field, so he's not your stereotypical, you know, right-handed power hitter, because he'll go the opposite way quite a bit. Mookie, you know, kind of attacks the monster, so we do have him, but... You look at Moreland, Devers, Ben, and Tendy. They're they're all lefties, so they're going to be going towards right field most of the time. And you know we could use that. I always it's never going to happen, but Edwin Encarnacion has killer, killer Fenway Park stats and would destroy that monster and send several balls over it. And you know, but. That's never going to happen, but I'd like someone similar to him 
that that can consistently go that way and you know because i mean you know manny did it all the time and chavis won't won't be him you know mookie i guess would be the closest comp you know just in terms of overall production but i just i really hope he pans out and if it's this year i i hope it happens but you know, there's going to be some tough decisions to make here. You know, I'm obviously rooting for Pedroia to be DFA'd, and Chavis is making a case for that right now. But you could, you know, maybe as far as the front office is concerned, maybe Nunez is the expendable guy. You know, he's on the last year of a cheap contract, and he could easily be bounced. You still have Holt, you know, as long as he can stay healthy which has been an issue in previous years but i don't know i mean hi there's a bit of a log jam there because moreland and pierce aren't going anywhere for now you know devers and bogarts are safe on the other side so i mean who, who's the odd man out to you well first of all i I think the move that's going to eventually happen is Pedroia is going to get 60-day DL if they even still have that designation, which I think frees up a spot on the 40-man roster, um, but also cr- pr- provides relief to a guy like um, Chavis who doesn't have to look over his shoulder at the veteran. Um, to me, Holt is the more uh, dynamic option as far as a utility guy over Nunez and so I, I I think Holt gives you a more consistent bat gives you a little bit more flexibility defensively and while he is certainly not you know <laughs> uh, you know Omar Vasquez as far as like range and everything else he is better at making the plays at him than Nunez is so to me it's Holt uh, in that utility role with two-way Lynn providing the organizational depth that he's basically providing right now, which is, you know, Chavis came out in the ninth with the lead. Uh, they put two-way Lynn in at second for defense, and I'm okay with that. I think that's a good mix. Um, I think ultimately that will be Holt because he, two-way Lynn is not a, a big league hitter. Um, so if, if, you, if the Red Sox ultimately decide that it's Chavis, and I think they will, by the way, um, I think he becomes your everyday second baseman with cop this, uh, cautious optimism by the organization that he could continue to do it for an extended period of time, like for the rest of the year. Um, I, I truly, honestly believe the Red Sox have finally said Pedroia is not part of the plan. And I think that was signaled to the fan base by the call-up with Chavis. If they thought he was going to be back in 10 days, they weren't going to do that. They weren't going to start Chavis's major league uh, time, start to accrue uh, towards arbitration and ultimately free agency. They obviously had other options within the organization. I know Holt's not back yet, but Nunez was still healthy at the time, two-way Lynn. Like, they had things they could do other than Chavis, and I really do believe that they they finally are like... They're not admitting it publicly, by the way, but they're also not still talking about Pedroia as being an option. So if you read between the lines, to me, with the call-up of Chavis, and by the way that he's performed, it's it, it, it's to me, it's it's a slap in the face. Hey, the Red Sox are finally moving on from number 15, and um, they're not going to DFA him, obviously, like, for whatever reason, and maybe we could talk about this next podcast, like this whole thing where 
Pedroia has now helped Erod find his curveball, and you know, I mean, it's just see, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, even though I easily could. Uh, but to me, Chavis is the clear-cut option there. He's not going to overtake Devers, and I think it also helps that one of them's a lefty stick and one of them's a righty stick. Both power guys from opposite. I, I like that those two spots are hopefully going to be a five to six games a week held by young guys. Both guys, by the way, with really good bat speed, uh, really good hand, uh, hands, and um, uh, if, if, I think if that's the way they go too, Two-way Lynn may become that extra utility player because of the holes defensively that they each provide. I think he's the best defensive player, period, now. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that Holt isn't, second isn't his best spot, maybe short or, or third is on the other side of the diamond. I don't really recall him being too bad at second, but Nunez definitely not great, and then Pedroia, like you said, let's just forget about it. Uh, you know, I think Lynn is really the best, uh, you know, defender. You know, if you're talking about a... Just a utility guy for a spot start or a late inning defensive replacement. He would be the guy I would go to, and but also, I mean, Chavis, I, I he didn't, I didn't see him make an error or look particularly bad at, at all. You know, all week. So, I mean, wh- what do you think of him defensively? I mean, I, he seems adequate to me as of right now. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think besides uh, Xander and Moreland uh, in the infield, uh, and again, Moreland won a gold glove. But as far as the, the you're limiting the discussion to the utility spot and the defensive issues with third and second, the way the roster's built right now, two-way Lynn is clearly the best option. Uh, he's the best around second base, by the way. Uh, he's got good hands. He'll turn it over. He'll... You know, slow hit ball to Xander, and you're like, no way, they're going to double this up. And then Xander with a good feed and two-way Lynn really turns it over quick. And it's one of those subtle things where if the runner beat the throw, it's like, okay, yeah, that was a slow hit ball. There's no way he's going to double him up. But then he turns the double play, and, you're, you know, if you're not paying attention to it, you're like, wait a minute. You know, okay, well, oh, great. He, you know, no, he made a difference around the bag, like, He's really, really good in that spot, and uh, I think that's where you're going to ultimately, over the test of time, see initially where Chavis lacks and hopefully see where he improves over time as he gets used to playing that spot. I was not a middle infielder, um, and the guys that were good at it truly, truly make a difference. If If you can turn over one or two more double plays, even over the course of a week, let alone a game, but just over a week, uh, that's a, that, I mean, that's a significant factor and, and that's two way lit. And there's a reason uh, why he has, uh, been held on to this organization for a number of years. And ultimately, if you do find Nunez expendable, I, I am okay with two way Lynn being on the big league club. Uh, he is not a big league hitter. He's not, he has, he offers nothing by way of slugging. Uh, but he is solid. Uh, he does put the ball in play. So he, he at least creates the requirement that, you know the opposite team make the play and throw him out, uh, and but he's a plus defender, no question about it. On a team, by the way, that has holes offensively, third and short are going to be an issue. There isn't going to be an everyday option unless we go outside the organization where 
not only are we going to get offensive production, but we're also going to get sound defensive play day in and day out. It's just that's that's you know after probably the bullpen, that's probably our second biggest weakness. Well, there is one other prospect uh, in Double A right now, kind of basically tearing it up, and is one of the best bats so far uh, in the minors. Uh, this year, as this is an older stat because it's it's from earlier in the week, but uh, C.J. Chatham is a shortstop, so he's a middle infielder, kind of a tall, lanky guy, similar to Bogart, six four. He's hitting uh, as of uh, this article right here uh, was hitting three ten with a three eighty eight OBP. Uh, slugging percentage of uh, 476. He's kind of been on my radar. I didn't really view him as a potential option for this year, but he could be one of those out-of-nowhere guys that kind of forces his way onto the roster. And, I mean, go back to 2014 when Mookie was called up. You know, Mookie was a fifth-round pick, and... Nobody really expected this, and I'm not saying, you know, that's the type of guy Chatham's going to be. I'm not saying he's going to be a generational talent, but every now and then you do have someone who comes from out of nowhere and, you know, can make a difference on a team in, in the second half. And, you know, if he continues that clip, he could be in Pawtucket before long, and then maybe you know, make a case to be called up. And, you know, a bunch of things could happen here. Maybe maybe Chavis fizzles out, has to go back down. That's how Chatham comes up. Maybe maybe somebody gets DFA'd. I don't know. But he's another uh, guy who could slot over to second base and uh, potentially be viable. So one way or another, I'm really optimistic that we're going to have an explosive young prospect in that position, probably by the all-star break. I, I, I don't hate it. And I, I did look at, um, CJ, uh, Chatham. his numbers and, and look, he's three Oh two in the minors coming into this year. And right now he's actually hitting three fifty one. His OPS is nine twenty four, Although his career in the minor leagues is seven fifty four. Um, I, I just don't know. Um, you know, he has no home runs, n- no triples, um, but he does have nine doubles. So um, he's he's an option. He obviously provides much needed. You know, basically, like he's a much needed prospect. I don't know if his value is going to be to this organization or to this organization by way of a trade for some other issue. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the player. And also, uh, defense is more than just fielding the balls hit right at you. It's about getting the ones that you can't, that others can't get to and making a play. And, you know, actually being a plus as far as, you know, again, wins against replacement. So if you're, like, Bradley Jr., you can say what you want about his offense because he sucks. But his defense, he gets the balls where you can honestly say to yourself, yeah, uh, there are 10 to 12 center fielders in the big leagues that would not have got to that ball. And I, I don't know enough about CJ uh, uh, down in uh, AA to, to, to give that assessment. Um, 
So it is what it is. I, I do think, though, by the way, um, if Chavis, he, the way he's carried himself, um, he seemed, the moment doesn't seem too big for him, and that's really encouraging because this is a big market. So um, I'm happy with Chavis. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far. I do think he has a – he obviously has a plus swing, okay? I mean, he's got really quick hands. He barrels a lot of balls. Uh, at the same time, he's not out of his shoes. He's been somewhat patient. I've seen him lay off more than a few sliders that are away that are right off the plate that you know are reasonable for a young player to, to chase. And for that reason, uh, and because it seems like he's at least somewhat ready, there's just no need for me at this point to go beyond uh, Chavis, assuming Holt is back and there's a spot for two-way Lynn as someone who's either going to be a 4A player or someone who's going to be there in support of Nunez and Chavis defensively. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I, I guess I'm thinking more outside the box when I'm trying to fit how these guys, how, piece together how these guys fit on the team. And Bradley's 147 batting average starting to look a little more ominous. I don't think they're going to give Chavis any reps in the outfield. I don't think they want to screw around with him too much, especially in in the next few days if he does start, you know, if the bat starts to get a little more productive. But if if we see some of these prospects, whether it's Chavis or I doubt it would be Chatham, but I don't know. I just, you know... Some outside-the-box stuff could happen. It, it, if these guys are hitting, if they're mashing, they will force their way onto the roster. Like, it, that's how it works. That's the circle of life. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm more pleasantly surprised than I thought I would be with with some of these guys because the narrative all winter long was, you know, our farm system is pretty depleted and... Here we have some guys that are on the verge of being called up. And like I said, I'm really impressed with Lakins, and he could be here to stay. He, I thought he could potentially be on the opening day roster, but he got sent down. But he's here now. They they didn't, as far as I know, they have not optioned him back. Feltman's struggling a little bit, but, you know, a short string of appearances, dominant appearances can, can get that turned around. So, I mean, for the bullpen, long-term, I'm pretty optimistic. And we got a lot of guys on, on short money now. So, I don't know. I mean, look at Tampa last year. This is a great example of this. I mean, they gave, they traded Archer. They traded their ace in July and, you know, got a few nice prospects, at least Glassnow and, and Meadows from... Pittsburgh, and they got Tommy Pham from the Cardinals, which is a hugely underrated trade, in my opinion. And he he did a little bit of damage against us, even though you know we won all three games. But um, I don't know. I mean, that was a team that was selling off pieces and ends up winning ninety games. And it actually, and go back to two thousand seven. I mean, who would have thought? Pedroia and Ellsbury in the month of May, and I don't think Ellsbury was even thought of as to coming up 
you know, to the big club. They were big time contributors in the playoffs that year. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, you know, I'm, I think some outside the box shit's going to happen. I just can't, it's hard to say which way it's going to go. Uh, I, well, okay. I think that's fair. Um, the thing I will say about Lakins is that to me, it was a, it was a significant sign that either the organization and or Cora believe in this guy despite his lack of track record because they brought him in in a game that still mattered with runners in first and third, less than two outs. You know, it's like, hey, you know, and I think you tweeted something to this effect, but I totally agree. Hey, you know, it's his first appearance. How about give him a clean inning? Yeah. And and they didn't. And it's like, like what the hell? But he he pitched effectively in the spot and got out of the inning. And it's like, okay, well, that's positive. And it makes you think, well, maybe the organization sees that in him. Maybe they see that, in, you know, that that sort of – because, look, there, there is a difference between a, a, a guy – and we say it all the time about Brazier. Brazier's a guy you want um, with a clean inning. Yet he's technically right now a more – effective reliever than Barnes and despite that you still feel more comfortable with Barnes coming in with runners on in a situation where hey he, you may need a strikeout so there are you know when you assess when to bring relievers in the game there are certain people that you know have the temperament to be a closer but the next step is the temperament to come in with someone else's mess and clean it up and, and be effective in that spot so maybe they see that in him and that would be encouraging if they do uh, because we, 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 you know, for example, and I often look fondly at the Yankees bullpen over the years because of the amount of swing and miss guys they have. We, we don't technically have a ton of swing and, a swing and miss guys. Um, so if you can add one, um, you know, and it seems like the moment's not too big for him, then I, th- I think you got to give you got to put him in a position to see if he's a long-term solution. Yeah, and also... I mean, we don't have a choice, by the way. We don't have a choice because right. we, don't have pros- we don't have prospects. And unless you can get a power arm for Nunez or Purcell or one of these expiring contracts, which is questionable without throwing in another prospect, you know, you have to rely on the organizational depth, which is thin, but Lakin seems to be a, a viable option. Yeah, and also Walden is kind of emerging. I'm not going to ding him for... For the second game of that doubleheader, when the ball got pulled down the line, I mean, that easily could have been a double play ball, you know, if it was a little more within Devers' range. And, you know, but the emergence of him is assuring. I'm I'm still going to assume, unless Feltman really loses it, you know, that he's still going to be a contributor for the Red Sox in the second half. I just, I kind of... I'm looking at the bullpen a little differently now, and and you know I I don't know I'm just a little more relaxed than I, I feel like I normally would be, you know, for a team that's that's four games under 500. Let me just ask one thing before we go on to the um, the preview here. This is more of a long term, uh, you know, scenario. But is Devers going to be a third baseman? 
a year or two from now, do you think? You got Moreland and Pierce on expiring deals. It's not all that unreasonable that one of them will be retained, but Chavis is a corner infielder. And Bobby Dahlbeck, who's kind of struggling right now, he's hitting below 200 in double A. So, you know, I, I've been assuming he could be a second half guy that could come up. But, but you know, if it ends up being next year or whatever, I just, I just feel like if Devers goes over to first, the pieces fit a little more, you know, a little more neatly, I guess, for lack of a better term. And if we don't if we don't retain Martinez, which would be really painful, but if we don't, and it's it's realistic that we might not, maybe Devers is your DH or or a DH first baseman. Like, can can you see that? I cannot see him at first base because his footwork sucks. And uh, look, a first baseman can save somewhere between 10 and 30 errors in a given a given season, in a Major League 162-game season. Whether it be by picks, uh, for example, Pierce is really good, despite the fact that he's not that tall, of holding the bag and timing his extension to catch the ball right before he has to take his foot off the bag. He did it a couple times in the playoffs last year, and certainly more than that during the regular season. So, and that's based on good footwork. It's getting to the bag, being on the balls of your feet, being able to adapt to where the throw is being, whether it's up, down, in, out, short, long hop, short hop. Devers has shitty footwork, terrible footwork. He's very, very clumsy. Um, he oftentimes misplays balls that you don't realize uh, because he still gets the out, but it's not clean, and it's not the most efficient way to make the play. And at first... When you are, for lack of a better term, the kind of goalkeeper, the guy, the guy who can make an infield look good, um, footwork is the primary importance to a first baseman because every big league player can catch a baseball. His footwork's a, just a dumpster fire, and I just don't see, in my opinion, him being that sort of first baseman that can solidify the infield defense. That's what Moreland does to a lesser degree. Pierce can do it. Um, if you're a fan of Paul Goldschmidt and you watch West Coast baseball, though now he's on the East Coast, um, Paul Goldschmidt's great at it. I mean, he has for years made the Arizona Diamondbacks look better than they are with infield defense. And I can give more example, but I think my point's proven. I just don't see it with Nunez. Oh, you're going to say, well, Jeremy, he's really not that good at third. He's actually not good at all. And I totally agree with you. <laughs> all right, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm not convinced that at the end of the day, Devers is going to be here 10 to 15 years. I really don't. Um, and if he falls into the DH role, I actually think that that may be the best situation for him, especially if he continues in the trend he is, which is higher on base percentage than we expected, and he starts hitting the ball to the ballpark. Because he, it's not like, look, early in Xander's career, um, you could tell that he just he needed some more work, and uh, he played because at the time he was the best option. And you know, I don't want to get into um, uh, the Drew situation and, and that you know playoff run and everything else. But Xander just lacked consistency. But he worked really hard at it, and he had the tools 
and he has the athleticism and the footwork, and he turned himself into a really, really good defensive shortstop. Not a gold glover, but very, very good. A guy that you could consider a top five to eight shortstop overall. I just don't see those same tools in Devers. I just don't. And for that reason, I, I think his long-term, if he's going to be here long-term, and I don't think that's a foregone conclusion, I do think that it's his role is going to be as a uh, a career-designated hitter. Yeah, and I mean, he might go to DH, and but but Martina staying would, would certainly com- complicate that. But also, I mean, just look back fairly recently, nobody... Well, really- hold on. Before, before you leave that point, though, Terry... You've stated a number of times that if you move Bradley for an asset because he still has a year left, J.D. could be the power-hitting left fielder you keep talking about uh, with uh, Benny moving to center, and that would create the opening that you're talking about. I'm just, you know, just a little food for thought there. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I'm not sure they're in love with his defense overall, you know, in terms of 162 games. But, But one other thing, though, with first base, nobody thought Mike Napoli was going to be remotely as good as he was. And I think he was an above average uh, first baseman. I mean, because like you said, Bogarts was terrible. And, and Napoli would always be scooping the balls out of the, um, you know, out of the dirt. And just, I was really impressed. And then when Hanley Ramirez was announced at the end of the 2015 season, that he was going to be the first baseman, I laughed. You know, he showed up to camp without a glove. I watched spring training just to watch Hanley because I thought it was he was going to be terrible, and he surprised me, you know. And I think he was an above-average uh, first baseman as well. And so, I mean, I'd want to at least give Devers a look there. I don't want to take all these other prospects out of their natural position just to keep a below-average guy at his position, you know, I I would want to explore that at least a little bit. Your your comparison to Hanley to me, it's noted, but Hanley's downfall was never his talent. Remember, he was a shortstop. He won a batting title while playing with the Marlins at shortstop. Um in a National League, you know, situation where there was no uh, parachute of the DH, he played shortstop every day. Um, he bulked up and he lost, as he got older, he lost the range actually really, really quickly. But he had good footwork. He had a good hands. Um, <laughs> Hanley's issue is always effort and uh, consistent, like, just being in the right mindset. Um the tools are different. I mean, I, I, I've never questioned Devers' effort, um, his desire, you know, to be great. Now, I don't know what that's going to happen once he ultimately gets paid because some of these athletes get paid and then they just become something different. But he's still hungry. His effort's still good. He does not have the same tools as Hanley. He doesn't. He do- his footwork sucks. I really don't know how else to put it. His footwork sucks. Yeah. And, he's, and, and, and you see it at third, Terry. I mean, look, how many times has he rounded behind a ball and fielded it deeper than he needs to be, and then all of a sudden it's a bang-bang play at first? But but he's out, the runner's out, so you don't think about it. Well, I'm looking at the game going, well, if he gets the big hop instead of the short hop, and he angles towards first and, and to get that big hop, and now he's five feet in front of where he would be by rounding around the ball, 
and now the throw is on time, but he's out by two steps and it's not even close. And you're, you know, I understand the outs and out, but you know, when you're talking about baseball, which is the biggest game of inches in any in any professional in any sport, really, um, Nunez is losing the game of inches, and and you know, I I just think that that would be potentially exacerbated by playing first base. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's just a thought. He's leading. I think he's the worst defensive uh, third baseman uh, so far this year. So we'll see. It's it's a little ways off before we have to consider that. One more long-term question that comes to mind. It's been on my mind all week, actually, um, especially with the emergence of uh, Chatham, you know, doing so well. Could you see Xander Bogarts maybe being converted to an outfielder? And the reason I say that now is he was a negative one in defensive war last year. So, you know, it, it it's going to be an awkward fit as these kids come up. You know, we're, we're talking about Devers. We're talking about Chavis at second base right now. Or, or maybe, or maybe does does Bogarts go to first? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I just can't imagine he's going to get better. You know, his defensive numbers are going to get better as he gets older at shortstop. And, and you got these young kids that that are probably going to be above average. So is that another player potentially looking at a conversion to another position? So this is a really good. Uh, interesting talking point, and um, I like immediately perked up in my seat when you finished the question. And I, I was like, "Ooh, this is really good." Um, the problem with Bogarts is not the balls at him because he is extremely solid at balls at him. He's very, very good at uh, getting the 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 best hop. Uh, you know, whether it be a big hop or you know charging the ball and and just generally taking good angles making the throw easier than it, than it would be for a guy like, for example, Devers. But he's his range is limited. Um, you know, many people remember Omar... Uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm spacing his last name. Omar Vasquez. Vizquel. Vizquel. Um, what say it? Say it. Omar Vizquel. Or no? Omar Vizquel. Yeah, I can't. Wow, that's really the bad. The Blue Jays guy? Stupid, stupid moment. For, no, Indians. Oh. The uh, Hall of Fame Indians shortstop. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, him. Uh, great, great player. But how many, you know, look, and, I, and maybe I'm talking to a younger audience, so maybe you're you know, better associated with the Jeter jump throw in the hole, but that's not Xander Bogarts. He does not make that play. And for all those shortstops that make that play, they, that, that is a huge, I mean, because those are base hits, and you're, ta- you're just flat out taking them away. And not everyone can do it, and Xander can't. He's very, very good at balls, Adam. He's not so good with range, and that's why his defensive war uh, is just not great. But he is solid. He's really, really good. He always makes accurate throws. Um, he he d- does not commit errors in high rates. And when he does, it's, it's an isolated incident and, and not a snowball situation. With that said, he has been locked up long term, and as he continues to slug at an increased rate, I, I don't discount the fact that they're going to continue to find a way and now that they've committed to him to putting him in the lineup. I just don't know enough about Chatham uh, to say that you know that's an answer short term. And I will say this. You committed to a guy like that to play shortstop. He's going to be your shortstop for at least the first, I think it's seven years because it's it, the contract kicks in next year. So he's actually it's technically seven more years. 
like he's going to be your shortstop for the next three to four years. He's just going to be. Now, as he slows down uh, defensively and his bat remains um, a, a viable option, I, I do think he is a guy who would be a candidate to switch because he is athletic um, and he does seem to be a team-oriented player. And the contract, by the way, we've talked about this and I'm not going to hit it too long here, but I mean, he did the exact opposite of Mookie. He and he was a Boris guy. Remember, like he went and said, "I want to be a Red Sox," and that to me is, signifies a player that would be willing later in his career to adapt to a new position. So it's a really good question, and I I do think Terry that we're three years away or more from it being a real real topic of conversation. Uh, but I do think it will be a topic of conversation uh, before that contract expires. Yeah, I I think he's. I don't expect anything to happen this year, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if something were to happen next year. I, maybe they tinker with him in spring training a little bit, but, um, you know, like I said, if these kids are mashing, things have a way of uh, happening. But it, with his height, though, I mean, he would be really good at, at first base, you know, if, especially if Devers does Agreed. stay up. Yeah, if Devers stays Agreed. at third and Sky's one, you know, Xander's going to have a good chance to snag it. By the way, if I am the Red Sox, and because uh, I do, I agree with you 100%. I think Xander it would be a really good, viable option at first base. And, it w- and one of the things that you could say to Xander is, Xander, you may get another contract by playing first and having a lesser effect on your body uh, playing every day than what would happen at shortstop. Uh, for a guy that again continues his slugging continues to get better, so um, and my I don't think he'll be opposed to it. I just think we're a few years away. Um, he does you know. have an opt out though after twenty twenty two, so that's you know after the fourth season if you include this one. Um, I'm a little bit less worried about him than I am about JD because Bogarts by doing the extension when he did committed to Boston and. He, he did it in the face of, again, Boris. And I think that, that can't be understated, that he did that in the face of Boris being his agent. I do think he loves Boston. I think this is, you know, his, I mean, he's from Aruba, and uh, he's a highly intelligent, you know, human being and everything. But he does embrace Boston, and I, I do uh, think that he's going to be a, a Red Sox. Now, whether they have to rework the deal again or not, maybe, but I do think he's going to be here long term. Yeah, and I like I said, I mean, I, I all winter long, I, I thought he would end up in the neighborhood that he did. Only an MVP caliber season would have really escalated his market. So I think, like you said, he he loves Boston. So you know, why wait? Let's just take let's just take the easy money now because it's been such a such a weird uh, market. But, yeah, nonetheless, I, like I said, he was a guy I coveted. And, I mean, he's the one contract that I feel good about right now. It's hard to feel good about the sale contract. Hard to feel good about the Evaldi contract. And, you know, so I'm just kind of glad it's, you know, playing out the way that it is. Um, let's go ahead and just dive into this Tampa series. Big series because uh, I thought it was a four-game series, but I guess it's only three. Um you know, if you can win, if you sweep again, you're one game under uh, 500. So, realistically, I mean, I think two out of three is, is you know, 
what, what might happen. But there's a to-be-announced starter tomorrow. Whoever that is will face Charlie Morton. Um, there was a tweet from someone. I uh, don't have it up. It was expected uh, to be a minor leaguer. And actually, the forecast is not looking good for tomorrow. So I'm wondering if we'll see another doubleheader this weekend. But um, there's only two potential minor leaguers that would start. One would be Darwin's and Hernandez, who I think, let's see, was that Tuesday? So that would be normal rest, I get. No, that would be short rest. That would be one day short. The other option, which I think it might be, and I, I admittedly don't know very much about this guy or even how to pronounce his name, but I'm going to take a shot at it. Mike Shawarin out of Pawtucket. Uh, you know, he's probably the more polished guy on that staff, and he's pitching right now to a 3.63 ERA. I don't know. I don't know how well that'll translate to the major league level. But um, in four starts, you know, that's that's what his uh, earned run average is. So I, I don't know. I mean, game one, I'm thinking we're going to need a lot of offense off of Charlie Morton. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, ben Intendi had the big home run against Morton in the series down in Tampa. Um it's just hard to dissect this game not having any idea who's going to pitch. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, we we can assume that we're going to see guys like Lakins, uh, Brazier, Barnes. We're, we're going to see the bullpen. Uh, even if it is a minor leaguer, which is the an- anticipated move, you would hope that maybe just by simply having not having no track record and, and the double is having not faced whoever it's going to be, that maybe they can get through the lineup one or two times without major damage, giving you a chance to win. Uh, Morton's, you know, even after his his five earned uh, last outing, he's still a three point three eight. Um, he's, you know, an effective major league pitcher. Again, he was on the Astros last year, and um, you know, I really don't know what to say about tomorrow except I just, you know, <laughs> hopefully they can continue to hit. They're at home. They hit at home. Um, and, uh, I would see, uh, I would expect a, a left-handed heavy lineup tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It could be if, if the game happens, I just, I hate rain out. So it really sucks that it, that it might not. Um, but, uh, on Saturday I was kind of, you know, when you're talking about a spot starter on Friday, you know, you worry about the bullpen a little bit, but I'm not going to, in this case so much because David Price is, uh, starting on Saturday Probably safe to say he's going to give you six innings, maybe seven if you know if he's on. And he's pitching against Tyler Glass now, who I think had only given up a run or so in uh, five and a third innings, something like that, uh, last weekend. So hopefully, hopefully the Red Sox kind of you know with with a little bit of data and you know a few looks at him will. We'll find a way to be a little bit more productive, but that's uh, that's an interesting matchup for Saturday. I, this is the game I'm really excited for. Uh, well, first of all, because it's the only one we know for certain who's going to be starting. Because 
on Sunday, and you're going to get to this in a second, it's either going to be a, uh, one of their like little starter reliever situations or it's going to be Snell. But um, <clears throat> Glassdale, we talked about the last podcast, uh, came out 76 pitches after a routine base hit to right by Mookie Betts. The only other hit at that time, I believe, was the Moreland home run. He flipped out in the dugout. He was upset, and they wound up losing the game as a result, or at least partially as a result of Cash's quick hook on Glassdale. This guy has been really, really good. He's 4-0 with a 1.53 RA. He's got 29 strikeouts and 29 in the third innings. So, uh, I mean, honestly, as of right now, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, I do think David Price um, is going to give us a chance to win, and I'm interested to see, as good as Glassnow has been, it's Fenway Park. It's Fenway Park, and some pitchers get out there and pee down their leg a little bit when they see how close left field is. So uh, I'm excited for Saturday. Unfortunately, this is a game where I'm probably going to have to watch remotely on my phone and through the ESPN app. Um, But, um, you know, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I won't see the first half of it at least because I'll I'll be listening on the radio, but that's not the same. Um, But, yeah, so the, the better matchup for sure. And also, not to get too far off topic, but there is that David Price special on Saturday night. I forget what they call it. Something about it's like David Price, his story or something, and about his redemption from last October. And <laughs> I can't, unless he apologizes to Dennis Eckersley on there or expresses a real degree of remorse. Uh, he's, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm still extremely anti David Price, but we can look forward to watching it uh, on Nesson Saturday night at 8 anyway. <laughs> um, just thought I'd throw All that right, out there. hold on. Hold I'm going to react on. to that if on the next think, show. If you think he's going to express remorse, you are out of your fucking mind. I don't think really. he is. I really don't. But I'm just saying, like, what's my, the point? My, if you, but if that's what your hope is, I mean, look, my, my dad's mother, uh, you know, rest her soul, she's long past, but she used to say, you know, wish in one hand, shit in the other, and, and tells tell me which one fills up faster. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way it's not happening. He's not that, and, and whether he privately feels remorse for that situation. And by the way, Terry, you know, I don't appreciate you sending me into this topic, this <laughs> late in the podcast, because you know it's a rabbit hole I'm willing to dig into. But if you think this guy is going to show remorse, you're out of your fucking mind. You are. You're out of your fucking mind. I don't. And, and whether he and whether he thinks it privately or not, he's never going to admit it publicly. Never in a million years. I said unless he shows remorse. I don't think he's going to either. But Okay, it we're is, on the same page. It, yeah, it, it is what it is. And, I mean, not to get deeper into it, because I swear we're going to talk about Chris Sale in a second, but this, this has to be damage control. This has to be like, well, not damage control, but they're trying to clean up his image and present him as, I don't know. I mean, Lackey wasn't very popular while he was here, and he had some media meltdowns and... You know, he ended up being a hero in 2013, but but Not price is way beyond that. What's that? The big difference between the guys you're talking about, especially Lackey and Price, is Price has got this big, massive contract. And True. look, you you know, 
that, that that's a factor. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a factor. I mean, yeah. Blackie signed a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal. Price signed a seven-year, two hundred and ten million dollar deal. It's not even in the same ballpark. He's going to get higher criticism, and you know, Lackey it, was and is probably still to this day socially awkward, and um, you know, just didn't do things right. But he didn't necessarily go to bat against the media where Price has, but. Again, you're sending me down a rabbit hole. It's already midnight, so uh, let's maybe save this topic for. Oh, for we're, we're going to talk up. about it Sunday night for sure. I'm just, I'm just expecting David Price for an hour to talk about how great he is and try not to throw up the whole time. But all right, Sunday, we don't know who it is. Hopefully, it's not Snell. Um, you know, because we don't know what Chris Sale's going to be. As we said in the in the opening. You, you know, after every start, you, you kind of have just as many questions about him as you did before the start. And sometimes they're different questions, but there's an abundance of them. And and this is a, a lineup that'll probably give him some fits. So I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see six innings of three run ball or less. That would be great if. If you give me seven innings, I'll be extremely giddy. But uh, honestly, I it could it could end up being excuse me three or four innings uh, of absolute shit. So, well, I think a lot of what we need out of sales dependent on the rest of the series. If you're, and this might be a nightmare scenario for some, but if you're zero and two, the way uh, the season's going. I mean, this start, is, I mean, becomes almost like a breaking point for your season. If they're 2-0 and and the pressure's off and they've gained two games in the standings, um, you know, he'll be out there free and easy like we've already won the series. So, you know, I don't know ultimately what's going to be facing Sale because obviously we'd have to play the first two games for, for me to be able to give that opinion. Um so with that said, all I'll say is um, let's hope it's not Snell. Um, I, I don't root for player injuries, especially – I mean, I don't root for player injuries. So I hope Snell's okay, and I hope he's back, and he makes the game of baseball generally better and more exciting, and he makes you know the A at least better and more exciting. Um, but I just hope he doesn't pitch on Sunday. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I mean, way. we really, we really need to win two out of three in the series. And again, at some point, there has to be a turnaround here where we start to tread in the right direction. Because you know, we've played 26 games. Uh, we're a sixth of the way through the season. Like, there has to be a point where we start to build towards getting to 500 and then beyond. And uh, losing this series, you know, now pushes us into May, and it's 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 going to become a problem. So, um, you know, we're going to know more on Sunday. Uh, this also would be the day I think they would play the doubleheader if they don't play tomorrow because the first game's at one. So that would mean that they'd they'd probably go day night and play the next game at seven. Um, so you know, again, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens with Friday and Saturday. But you know, Sunday could be either. A free and clear, you know, go out there and you know give it your best shot and let's try to sweep. Or we we could theoretically see Sale pitching to to basically you know keep this thing floating. So 
Yeah, I, I, it's impossible. It's the least possible game, even with the TBA, TBD, whatever tomorrow. I, I just, I, I just, I'm sale just freaks me out right now. All right, uh, any final thoughts? I guess. I mean, Chavis is gonna probably be up through the series, you know, because Holton Nunez are only beginning their rehab start, so. I would uh, I would expect him to be in the lineup for the most part uh, all weekend and um, you know so I that's what I expect out of him. Uh, any anything? Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see, you're gonna see him and and if you don't, then I, I don't. Uh, Two way Lynn should not be starting games. He's not a big league hitter, so. Look, you, you, and again, by the way, uh, unfortunately, we have not built in any leeway, and you've got to start winning games. So you're going to see uh, Benintendi, Betts, and uh, and Bradley two out of three games. Uh, if it is Snell, you're going to see JD in left with Benny in center and Bradley sitting in that start against the lefty. Um and then at that point, you know, it Devers, Chavis, you're going to see Pierce at first and, and Xander. Um, Vasquez will start two out of the three games, I would think. He'll start uh, with whoever. He's definitely starting tomorrow because Leon played today, and I think he'll catch Price. And then I'll leave the binky Leon for Chris on Sunday. Um, so you got to put out your best lineup, uh, Cora. And... Uh, I think they will, and uh, let's hope they get through the series healthy and with at least two out of three. And the next time we're talking, we're we're talking about really bunching this division up and having a chance to get back in it. Sounds good to me. Uh, good point on Bradley too with lefties, because I mean he can't hit anyone right now anyway. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll be back Sunday night and uh, hope hope we uh, take at least two of them anyway. Good night, Terrence. Have a good night. So that will uh, wrap up episode 128 of the Benny and the Bats podcast. I just want to say our numbers are getting bigger, and I did not expect this. Like, surging, I should say. So... Thank you uh, to everyone who uh, who has been listening and giving us feedback. Even if it's negative feedback, I'll still take that because all feedback is good feedback. But anyway, uh, like we said, you know, Sox split with the Tigers. Hope to take two of three against the Tampa Bay Rays. But I would not complain if uh, we ended up with another sweep. So... Uh, awkward fit with the rotation to be announced tomorrow, you know, and then of course Sunday. So have a good, uh, Friday and, uh, rest of your weekend as well. Take care. It's a kind of a family wherever I roam, a fenway home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity.
Insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox.